Send your spirit, God, to open our hearts and our minds to your word and strengthen us to live according to your will. In Jesus' name. So I'm Gary Hall. I was the priest in charge here for about 15 minutes at the beginning of this year, the end of last year. I had a great time with you all, and it's good to be back. I want to thank Jen Chatfield for inviting me back because it gives me an opportunity to see that you're doing so well and that the place is really, um, is really in very good shape. Since I left St. Wilfrid's in early March, I have become a kind of peripatetic fill-in supply preacher, wandering around the diocese trying hard not to repeat myself as I go from place to place. I haven't quite yet figured out how finally to ease into real retirement but I am enjoying staying connected to the many congregations I have served over the years here in Southern California. So look for me soon at a parish or laundromat or supermarket opening somewhere near you. From my early sermons here, you may remember that I grew up in Hollywood. My parents were both in movies and television, and I ended my career in Washington, D.C., Given that history, I could be said, along with Ronald Reagan, to be one of the few Americans who has lived in the two cities that each refer to themselves as this town. When I first went to work at Washington National Cathedral, people often asked me how I was adjusting to life in Washington, having spent so many years in Hollywood. What adjustment, I would ask, they're exactly the same place. Though outwardly, Hollywood and Washington appear different, at their core, they are about the twin idols of our culture, power and fame. We are so steeped in this culture that it is hard for us to attend to a gospel of something else. It is that gospel of something else that Jesus invites us to hear and to live into this morning. There's a story in Zen circles about a man and a horse. The horse is galloping along at great speed, and it appears that the man on the horse is going somewhere very important. Another man standing alongside the road shouts, where are you going? And the man on the horse replies, I don't know, ask the horse. <laughs> if you don't know where you're going, the chances are that you are not going to get there. Most of us are like that man on the horse, galloping somewhere, but we're not really sure. Once, when I got on a freeway and I realized that I was going in the wrong direction, I complained about it, and my wife Kathy said, yeah, but we're making great time. <laughs> the issue posed by power and celebrity cultures of modern America is the question of what hopes and what values we organize our lives around. The real problem with the twin idols of power and fame is that they are so beguiling. Their allure is what makes them idols in the first place. Here's the problem posed by Hollywood and Washington. Life there can be so attractive and so comfortable that we begin to feel at home. And one thing that makes people of faith uneasy, even in very beautiful places, is this nagging knowledge we all have that these are not the places where we finally belong. 
Today's reading from the letter to the Hebrews is one of my absolute all-time favorite scripture passages. And it gives us a theological way into this conversation. In the 11th chapter of this letter, the author tells us that our forebears organized their lives around their faith, which he describes as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In his view, what made the patriarchs and matriarchs of Israel different from everyone else was their interior sense that, as beautiful as they may be, the Hollywoods and the Washingtons of their day, Babylon and Rome, were not their home. They were being drawn forward by God to a... I've got some competition somewhere. Um, they were being drawn forward by God to a new place. And at the same time, they were striving to make the world they inhabited resemble the one that they pursued. People of faith don't just look forward to that heavenly city. They strive to remake the earthly city in the image of the one that calls them forward. Here's how the writer of Hebrews puts it again. He says, all of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, God has prepared a city for them. I suppose this reading speaks to me so powerfully because it articulates that holy restlessness that marks all the people of faith I have ever known. We use the word faith very loosely in American culture as if it's a word that suggests some kind of magical thinking. But when the author of Hebrews talks about faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, he's not, he's not suggesting that believers are essentially deluded wackos walking around in the world as if it were some kind of gigantic comic con. He is instead naming that holy restlessness. We know that as attractive and alluring as the world's most beguiling centers of power and status and fame might well be, they are not finally the real thing. We are being drawn forward to another place, one centered on the things that matter, centered on holiness and love, justice and compassion, centered on mercy and peace. As Hebrews puts it, we desire a, a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called our God. Indeed, God has prepared a city for us. All people of faith are restless in this Hollywood, Washington world. For Christians, our restlessness is best shown in the life and ministry of Jesus. In today's gospel, Jesus tells his companions, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven, 
where no thief comes in, no near, no, no thief comes near, and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is in Rome or in Babylon, in Hollywood or in Washington, you have your reward. If your treasure lies in that better heavenly country towards which we strive, then your reward will be a life lived working to make even Rome and Babylon, even Hollywood and Washington, look and feel and act like heaven. Please don't misunderstand me. I love the world. I loved the time I lived in Washington. I love living in Los Angeles. I love all the glitzy, glittery, alluring things about American culture. But as a follower of Jesus, I know that these things are not my home. You and I will never finally know why some of us are content with the satisfactions of glitz, while others of us are restlessly drawn to something that lies beyond. But we do know that the life of faith is not an escape from the world. The life of faith is a deeper engagement with things as they are, helping to shape them to become what God intends them to be. Christians don't live in a fantasy. We live in ultimate reality. Today's scriptures ask us several questions that each of us must answer for ourselves and on our own. Which city do you inhabit? Hollywood, Washington, or do you inhabit the better, the heavenly one? And what are you doing to remake your city in the image of the city that lies ahead? Where is your treasure? Is it here or is it someplace else? And where exactly are you going? Are you like the rider whose horse is in charge of the process? Are you heading in the wrong direction but making great time? As you ponder these questions, remember these words from the letter to the Hebrews. All of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, God has prepared a city for them. Those who are satisfied here in this town have their treasure now as it is measured in power and status and fame. Those who desire a better heavenly country have their treasure in working with others to make the heavenly city they seek a reality in the here and now. What treasure would you rather have? Who would you rather be and who would you rather be with? The choice is yours, and you have a guide for making it in the life and ministry of Jesus, who so lived in this town that he had courage to choose another town, and, and he empowered you and me to make our city in the image of the heavenly one toward which we all walk together in faith. Amen.